We're going to continue our series this morning that I've called Practicing Resurrection. And I thought this morning what I would start with is a poem. And it's the last line of this poem that I got the name for this series that we're doing called Practicing Resurrection. So uh, how many of you like poetry? About half of you? All right. Uh, So next slide is a fellow named Wendell Berry. And Wendell Berry is about 80 years old. And he's a farmer in Kentucky, and he's also happened to have published 50-plus books. Uh, He writes essays and novels and short stories and poetry. And so this poem is called Manifesto, the Mad Farmer Liberation Front. You ready for it? Love the quick profit, the annual raise, vacation with pay. Want more of everything ready-made. Be afraid to know your neighbors and to die. And you will have a window in your head. Not even your future will be a mystery anymore. Your mind will be punched in a card and shut away in a little drawer. When they want you to buy something, they will call you. Or these days, just have it flash up on your screen. When they want you to die for profit, they will let you know. So friends, every day do something that won't compute. Love the Lord. Love the world. Work for nothing. Take all that you have and be poor. Love someone who does not deserve it. Give your approval to all you cannot understand. Praise ignorance for what man has not encountered, he has not destroyed. Ask the questions that have no answers. Invest in the millennium. Plant sequoias. Say that your main crop is the forest that you did not plant. That you will not live to harvest. Say that the leaves are harvested when they have rotted into the mold. Call that profit. Prophesy such returns. Put your faith in the two inches of hummus that will build under the trees every thousand years. Listen to Carrion. Put your ear close and hear the faint chattering of the songs that are to come. Expect the end of the world. Laugh. Laughter is immeasurable. Be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. So long as women do not go cheap for power, please women more than men. Ask yourself, will this satisfy a woman satisfied to bear a child? Will this disturb the sleep of a woman near to giving birth? Go with your love to the fields. Lie easy in the shade. Rest your head in her lap. Swear allegiance to what is nighest your thoughts. As soon as the generals and the politicos can predict the motions of your mind, lose it. Leave it as a sign to mark the false trail, the way you didn't go. Be like the fox who makes more tracks than necessary, some in the wrong direction. Practice resurrection. How many of you like poetry now? <laughs> Woo! Wendell Berry. Um, Practice resurrection. 
the history of Christianity has gone in so many directions, but a, a piece of the history of Christianity has been, for some, this, this notion that uh, we're just passing through this life, waiting to get to the next life, uh, to heaven, to whatever that might look like. And this just doesn't seem to align with the teachings of Jesus and, and the idea t- of practicing resurrection, which means this life right here, right now, has meaning and purpose and is valuable, and we're invited to live into a way of being that Jesus taught us, this way of love, this way of forgiveness, this way of hope, this way of healing, this way of joy. Now, I've started to read chapter books out loud to my children because my youngest is finally at an age where she can sit still long enough to listen to chapter books. And uh, so I recently just read this book uh, to my kids, The Book of Boy. It's by Catherine Gilbert Murdoch. And it's about this youngster who meets a man named Secundus. And Secundus has been in hell for a thousand years. And he's been released to collect a bunch of St. Peter's relics. And if he can collect them all, he, he believes if he can collect them all and get them to St. Peter's tomb, then he'll be allowed into heaven. Uh, and, and so it just struck me, again, of this kind of workspaced salvation, or, or it, like we have to uh, prove that we're good enough uh, to get in. And, and we have this mentality of who's in, who's out, um, there's this story of people lining up at the gates of heaven. It's not in this book. Different story. Uh, people lining up at the gates of heaven, and St. Peter's at the gate, and checking to see if you got in or not. And an angel comes to Peter and says, uh, Peter, we have a problem. People are sneaking in. And Peter said, Oh, it's probably Jesus again, letting people over the wall again. Uh, <laughs> It's like we, we have this checklist, we have this idea of who's in and out, and Jesus just doesn't. He, he wants everybody in. Uh, and so I, I want to think about this way of practicing resurrection. And, and the lens through which I want to look at it today is something that Paul wrote. Now, Paul uh, had this epic experience on the road to Damascus. He had this boom, wake-up call. Uh, and I believe that that is true for all of us, that there are moments in life where we do have these encounters with God that just shake everything. But for the most part, the spiritual journey is the slow work of God. It is the Spirit doing this slow work in us to transform us into something more. And I, I want to look at something Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He's writing this church, the, this group of Jesus followers, in ancient Corinth about 2,000 years ago. And he says, to, and he's talking about uh, what was the law, the, the, the Jewish law, the Hebrew law, etched in stone. And he's talking about that in light of what happens when the Spirit is at work in our lives etching things in our heart. And not that the law or what Moses had to bring and bear was bad, but, but Paul is trying to help us see there's something even better. 
that when we wake up to God's divine presence within us, when we acknowledge this spirit of God working in us, something truly transformational can happen. And when Moses would meet with God, he would come down from the mountain and his face would glow. And so uh, he wore a veil over his face so that the people weren't freaked out. And so Paul says, even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so Paul, Paul is saying there, there is a way of turning toward God, contemplating God, whose image and glory we reflect, and, and that God is doing this work of transformation in us that causes us to have ever-increasing glory. Uh, Paul is talking about this ongoing journey in our lives. Uh, Notice that Paul is not saying, uh, if, if you are not a Christian, there's this opportunity to become a Christian and reflect God's glory. He, he's writing Christians. He's writing to people who already believe in Jesus, who already believe this way of Jesus. And he's saying, you, as people who have committed your lives to this Jesus, there is the opportunity to participate in the work of the Spirit in you, to experience that which is deepest within you, to experience something deeper each moment of each day. Thomas Merton says it this way, every moment and every event of every person's life on earth plants something in his soul. That each moment of each day, something is being planted in our souls. So I wonder this. Next slide. What is being planted in your soul? What are we planting in our souls every moment of every day? Uh, what is being planted? And what is growing? Because that which is planted grows. Uh, we are invited into this participation of the Spirit to allow that which is being planted to transform us into ever-increasing glory. And Paul tells us that that happens mysteriously by the work of the Spirit. And yet we participate in it by turning toward God and contemplating God and the things of God. So it's this mysterious both and. It is the work of God in our lives that we cannot understand. It's not something we can manufacture. And yet we are invited to participate in that work, in our own lives and in the lives of others. Um, what is being planted in your soul? Uh, notice what Walter Brueggemann says. Next slide. 
the key pathology of our time, which seduces us all, is the reduction of the imagination so that we are too numbed, satiated, and co-opted to do serious imaginative work. Uh, If there has ever been a time in human history that the level of distractions in our lives is at a peak, it is now, isn't it? And Brueggemann uh, recognizes that level of distraction. He says it, it, is, it is the key pathology of our time because it is keeping us from doing serious, imaginative work that could change us and could affect change in the world. So Paul uses this word transformed. Next slide. And this word transformed is metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. And so Paul is saying that in our lives, by God's spirit, it is possible for for there to be something that happens to us that when we look back on it, we could have never imagined that possibility. Uh, Next slide. So take this common example of chrysalis. Let's just imagine for a moment that we don't know the science, that we have no idea what this is or what it might become. And we were to discover it and study it and observe it, and then one day, next slide, uh, it's this. If we didn't know the science and we just stumbled across a chrysalis, we would never imagine that someday a butterfly would emerge. Paul is saying that's what's possible in us. That the Spirit of God in us can and will do such a transformational work in our lives that when we look back on it, we just say, I would have never imagined that that was possible in me, in my life. Um, I think most of you know that I uh, like a really good cup of coffee. And I just think about the process of coffee. And imagine, who, who was the person who stumbled aco- across these green beans and, and saw them and just decided, let's throw these over the fire and see what happens, and roasts these beans, and maybe eats one, and, hmm, oh, let's, let's smash it all up. Let's just smash it up, and let's, let's pour some hot water over it, and then let's drink what comes out. But thank God for that person. Uh, and maybe it was a community. It was probably a community of people. But talk about Transformation. That is possible in our lives. That something, if we just stumbled across these green beans, we would never imagine that it could produce this cup of coffee. But that's exactly what it, now we just take it for granted, right? Uh, Paul is saying this is possible in our lives to change that dramatically. Next slide. We contemplate the Lord's glory to discover more of God and to discover that which is deepest within us. That 
that when we reflect on God, when we reflect on the divine, something happens within us that we discover something that has been planted there from the beginning of time. I um, recently got to hold a baby and was just staring at this baby. And the baby's staring back at me. And it reminded me of my own children. When I would, I could literally stare at my baby children for hours. They, they don't let me do that anymore. <laughs> uh, if I tried, it'd be like, Dad, stop looking at me. It'd, like, it, it'd feel weird, right? I, I wonder, what, what, like, what veils have we put over it? Why is that level of intimacy, why does that level of intimacy become awkward and embarrassing? Uh, what shifts as we get older, that it's no longer comfortable to reflect another human being. Um, I think this might be part of why we're so attracted to uh, really good art, someone who can draw a face, or even a photograph, because that's not uncomfortable to spend time Reflecting and meditating on that. Um, Picasso said this, uh, are we to paint what's on the face, what's inside the face, or what's behind it? Uh, I don't know exactly what he means even. Uh, Other than, I I think maybe he's getting at um, what's behind the veil. How do I paint this person in a way that gets what's behind the veil? that is vulnerable and exposing in a deeply beautiful and sacred way. Uh, I wonder if this is why so many artists do self-portraits. Next slide. Do we see what is deepest within us and others, or do we see a veil? So Van Gogh did this self-portrait, and... I can't imagine how many hours that took. But I also don't imagine it was uh, purely narcissistic. I, I think he's trying to figure out who he is. And if I reflect on myself long enough, if I do this hard, excruciating work, maybe I'll discover more of that which is deepest within me. Uh, There is a difference, isn't there, between a self-portrait and a selfie. Next slide. So I take selfies, go out on a little daddy-daughter date, and take a selfie to remember the moment. But what that required of me was holding a phone out here and hitting a button. And then it was done. It, It didn't take long excruciating hours of self-discovery and self-exposure. I wonder what it would look like if we took the kind of time it would require to do a self-portrait in self-reflection. What if we took that kind of time 
on our own interior. Focusing on God's Spirit, who is already doing the work of transformation within us. But what might happen in our own lives if we accepted the gift that is already happening and allowed God's Spirit to work and we said yes and participated in that ongoing, slow work of God. I think something pretty amazing could happen. So that brings me back to this idea of slow work of God. I get this from Deschardins. He says, above all, trust in the slow work of God. That there are moments like Paul had on the road to Damascus, where he is struck by this encounter with the risen Christ. And a couple days later, something like scales fall from his eyes, and he wakes up, and he sees differently. So those moments happen in our lives. And I, I don't think it's limited to just one or two or three necessarily, but I think for the most part, it is the slow work of God in our lives where every day, every moment, something is being planted in our souls. And we are invited to participate in what grows what emerges from that planting. This is the ongoing work of transformation that the Spirit is doing in our lives. It is cooperating, saying yes to, participating in the slow work of God in our lives. And it's engaging it in the lives of each other recognizing that that same slow work God is doing in me, he is doing in you. And we engage that journey of the slow work of God together in community, saying yes, participating, cooperating with the Spirit and what the Spirit is doing within us. Uh, As we move to communion and we take this bread and dip it in this cup. This is a part of the slow work of God. We, we have practices like this to remind us of God's work in our lives. Uh, we engage this practice to remember that Christ died for us. Christ was buried. Christ rose again. Uh, we also engage this practice as this physical, tactile bread and cup as an image of God filling us up, being filled with God's presence in our lives so that we can live from that in the life of others. So I want to close with this thought. Transformation. You can't manufacture it. It is the work of the Spirit of God. It comes to us as gift. We are invited to receive the gift and participate by turning toward God. Contemplating God and discovering that which is deepest within us is of God. What does it look like 
for you to participate in that gift this week. Uh, I think sometimes we can hear a message about transformation and think about, well, I need to change things in my life, and, I, uh, and we think about the trajectory of our life. I, I want us to just think about this week. If, if every moment of every day something is being planted in our soul, what is being planted in our soul? Uh, and, and so this week, uh, what does it look like to participate in that gift? the presence of God already in you. So, so maybe for you, it, it's committing this week to a spiritual practice of some kind. Uh, if you're wondering, uh, I don't even know what to do, uh, just go to Bamerin's website, and there's a whole page uh, called Contemplative Practices. Look at it and see if one strikes you as, yeah, I wanna, I'm going to engage in that this week. I'm going to do that every day this week. Uh, what is God inviting you to do to participate in this already ongoing work that you can't manufacture, but you can say yes to? God, thank you that you are doing a transformational work in each one of us. I pray this week, God, that we would say yes to that work that we would be full participants with your spirit in the work that you are already doing. And that somehow, mysteriously, your holy wind, your breath, your spirit would blow through us, causing us to recognize that as we contemplate you, as we reflect you, that glory is ever-increasing. And may it be light and life to those around us. In the name of Jesus, amen.